This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Now this is the end of our Ecclesiastes study. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Solomon says, The end of the matter, when all has been heard, fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And so the build-up to Solomon's final point of Ecclesiastes is a summation of all that he's preached thus far in these concluding chapters. Chapters 11 and 12 are very short compared to the preceding chapters of this book. And as we've said many times in this study, he's fixated on the brevity of life, the unstoppable march of time, and the certainty of death and how knowledge of those things should shape our understanding of our world and our life and our accountability to God. And Solomon, having exhausted all efforts to make sense of life under the sun, as he calls it, in pursuing earthly wisdom, in giving himself to pleasure, as he describes in chapter 2, and giving himself to all sorts of projects and work and wealth, he says, here's the end of everything. Here's the summation, the end of the matter. Uh, enjoy life as God enables you to, because apart from enjoying one's lot in life and the fear of God, life is indeed meaningless. Everything has to be viewed in light of your accountability to Him. So fear Him, keep His commandments. This is your purpose, and it's my purpose. And so again, this is really the culmination of all of the counsel that He's given in, in the book to fear God and serve Him acceptably. and um, So how do these concluding chapters play out? Let's just take a moment to, to try and get a handle on that. So he begins in chapter 11 with instruction to cast your bread upon the waters. And so this starts another larger section wherein he's reinforcing those themes about life beyond your control, and and fixating on the things that you can control and of course remembering your accountability to God and even though there's all these variables and unknown factors you still should focus on your own productivity casting bread is another figure for sowing sowing seed right bread is the produce of the ground it's sown near water and these passages And Solomon adopts the same idea from Isaiah 32, um, verse 20, and in chapter 30 and verse 23. And so as he says, cast your bread on the surface of the water, the idea is get as close to the water as you can. In other words, give your labor the best chance of succeeding, whatever it is. So he's not talking literally here, but it's a figure for everything that you do. Um, do. Do the best you can and seek circumstances wherein... You can give your work the best chance of succeeding. And then he enjoins generosity uh, in the very next verse. Divide to seven, even eight, meaning there's no limit to your um, charitability, your benevolence, your sharing uh, with others. You're only limited by your opportunity and ability. So even if there are many things beyond your control, as he's well established, there is the, the unpredictability of life and the inevitability of things going wrong. It's not an excuse to throw your hands up. You still have to do the best you can, and I have to do the best we can. And this leads into the first of three you-do-not-know statements. 
And so he's he's balancing just as he's done throughout out the book, this enjoining upon us, do your work, enjoy your labor, give your best. Um, but at the same time, understand, again, there's these unknowns. You don't know, uh, verses 2, 6, and 9. You don't know what misfortune may occur on the earth. You don't know the activity of God who makes everything. And you don't know whether one or the other will succeed. Right. So, again, we have all these reminders that the future is beyond your control. Even so, you can control your own activity in the present. You can prioritize serving God. Not only can you, but you should. You know, misfortunes, time and chance, as he says in chapter 9, they're, they're beyond you. The work of God is beyond you. The ultimate outcome of your physical work and spiritual, for that matter, it's beyond your control, right? We, we sow, but it's God who gives the increase, as Paul tells the church in Corinth. I planted Apollos water, but it's God who gives the increase. So all that work, uh, the, the, rather the outcome of that work is, is beyond our control. So he, then to drive the point home, he addresses something we all tend to do, which is uh, focusing on what we can't control in verses 3 and 4. And he uses a very common figure, Ecclesiastes 11, 3 and 4. He says, when the clouds are full of water, they pour out rain on the earth. And whether a tree falls toward the south or toward the north, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. And one who watches the wind will not sow, and one who looks at the clouds will not harvest. Just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes everything. Uh, so in other words, the weather's going to do what it will do, but focusing on things beyond your control is not only unproductive, it's counterproductive. Waiting for perfect conditions accomplishes nothing, and it hurts you more in time. So he says again, verse 6, Sow your seed. Sow your seed in the morning. Do not be idle in the evening, for you do not know whether one or the other will succeed, or whether both of them alike will be good. Right? So again, the point is continue your labor, and it you'll find greater chances of, of success, but accept the fact that much is out of your control. And then Solomon offers one last exhortation to redeem the time, which is really what he's driving at here in 11.7 through 12.7. Um, the light is pleasant, and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. So, uh, you know, 11.7 through 12.7, we might think, well, that's a big block of text. Well, it's not. If you're looking at the passage, you can see that there's only three verses left in chapter 11. So there's only... 7 through 10, and then the first seven verses of chapter 12, that he is developing this idea. And as much as he has lamented, excuse me, as much as he has lamented the futility of life under the sun, he doesn't want us to believe that it's inherently evil or bad. Uh, and he's, again, made these points throughout the book that life is actually a gift. Um, yes, it comes to an end. Yes, you can't control when it does come to an end. And it might you know, be even terrible circumstances under which it does. But life is still a gift. It's still good to see the sun. Rejoice in your youth while you can. But remember, youth comes to an end. And then not long after life itself comes to an end. And Solomon describes those days as days of darkness. I think which have a double meaning in, in the context. Dark days are those as he says, that you have no pleasure in, 
as well as the ones that follow death. I, you know, I, I know like when you no longer see the sun, that's a, been a, a phrase that he uses to describe death. When you no longer can see the sun, when you're no longer participating in this, this world. And so in light of that fact, he says in verses 11, 9 through 12, 1, Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and remove sorrow from your heart. Keep pain away from your body. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. And so this is a, a call for joy. It's a call for generosity. I think even adventure. But not a call for any of those things at the expense of serving God. At the expense of uh, remembering your, your duty to Him, right? There's no point in being sad. You're young. Take advantage of youth while you can before the days approach that you say, I have no pleasure in them. And then Solomon gives this uh, kind of lengthy poetic picture of old, old age, old age pre- preceded by pictures of death. You know, there's an Ecclesiastes 12, three through seven. He speaks of broken vessels and extinguished light, the unavailability of water, bodies returning to dust. That's a familiar passage, right? That's echoing Genesis three dust. You are to dust. You will return. And, and then the famous verse of the spirit returning to God who gave it right so it's it's one last reminder of our accountability that will fully and finally be realized when we leave this world and so as solomon closes he's he relates ecclesiastes to the purpose and goal of other wisdom books job and and proverbs um and what he calls the words of the wise and their collective sayings in verse 11 of chapter 12 and he's saying here in in this case that what what is the purpose of this the the source of their and the source of their authority like the words of these otherwise we have all these figures of speech what's what's going on here and he says they're like ox goats or well driven nails and you think about those pictures and you know what's a goad well an ox goad was a sharp stick right that they used to stimulate the ox to get it to go where they wanted to go. It was like a guide. And what are nails? Well, t- they're tools, right? They're they're used to secure things, secure structures. And so, in other words, the the point of all wisdom, at least inspired wisdom, in in God's word, is it's they're guides to godly living, to bring about security for your soul, that you can dwell securely with Him. But there is a caveat. There's a caveat that Solomon wants us to remember. That wise words are only as useful as they are authoritative. And they are only authoritative if they come from the one shepherd. So that's critical. That, you know, we look to Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and we, you know, we memorize that verse and you know, fear God and keep his commandments. But I think you know, what's we don't want to gloss over what he's saying here in the last couple of verses as this exchange between the, you know, the, the preachers uh, coming to an end, he, the preachers sought to find delightful words, to write words of truth correctly, right? He wants to nail down exactly what this life is about. What's the point of all of this, right? And, and then the words of the wise, as we've said, they're like goads and nails, but he says they're given by one shepherd. They're given by one shepherd. But beyond that, verse 12, beyond that, my son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless, and excessive study is wearying to the body. 
Right? So you and I have to be selective. And that's the caveat that true wisdom, truly wise words that will be useful to us have to be those that are authoritative, given by the one, one shepherd. And we know who that's referring to. God and his care and concern for us is, he's repeatedly pictured as a shepherd throughout Scripture. And of course, Jesus is our ultimate uh, good good shepherd. And so Solomon is combining those concepts now. Right? Remember, your creator in the days of your youth, uh, and, and see that you're looking to the words given by the one shepherd. He knew the peculiar value of authority of, of, and of his inspired words. And so he, he warns us, my son, don't, don't seek answers beyond those God has given through his word. You're going to be spinning your tires. It's wearying to the body. You can look for answers in, in other books, but even what you find there, it's only going to be helpful to you insofar as it harmonizes with God's word, only insofar as it's consistent with his truth. Otherwise, you're just going to wear yourself out. So how can we save ourselves all that trouble? How can we inoculate ourselves against the call of materialism and hedonism and worldly philosophies and all the things that Solomon's been speaking about through this through this study? Well, let's end where we began reading just a moment ago. The end of the matter has all when all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. I don't know about you, but it seems like Jesus' fingerprints are all over that passage. When he became a man, he warned us against being anxious about what we eat and what we drink and what we wear. And he called us to place our trust in the Heavenly Father and to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He also reminded us about what is beyond our control, how distracting that those things can be and how we can be eat up with anxiety and the futility of wringing our hands over those things. And he, just as he did through Solomon so many years ago, he gave us the same conclusion. Seek first the kingdom of God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And this is the first and greatest commandment. Thanks for tuning in.